worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio, the podcast of RedLegNation.com. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. This is episode number 197, which is hard to believe. Joining me, as he has many times more than anyone else on the Red Leg Nation Radio, is my good friend and yours, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? The emeritus member of the uh, Red Leg Nation family. <laughs> yeah, you're one of our, you're one of the like me, one of the old guys. Um, been around. And I'm, and I'm much older than well, you. I mean, <laughs> old, I, I didn't mean old guys in the sense that you and I have been around since the very beginning, and uh, and even before since the, stone, since the Stone Age of Red Leg Nation. Yeah, we were we were using a, a hammer and chisel to do the. Uh, it wasn't even on a website. It was on stone tablets back in the beginning. It was really uh, difficult to get that out to any readers. Uh, Our first guest was Barney Rubble. Bill, <laughs> that, that's just not true. Um, hey, you want to talk about the Reds? Okay, since the, we're here, might as well. The Cincinnati Reds. These are a uh, it's it's a collection of players uh, who have come together to form a professional baseball club. You like them? A long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago, almost 150 years ago, actually. Next year will be 150 years. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. And they've won, had exactly seven winning seasons in those 150 years. <laughs> it just seems like it. <laughs> it does. Sometimes it does. It's been a while. You know, this year's team, are they going to have a winning uh, record or not? I don't know. And all I know is that I'm, I think I know what your answer is to this. Are you as concerned as I am? And I'm about to jump off the building. I'm so worried about it. But the fact that uh, Joey Votto only has one hit this spring. That 071 batting average has got me frightened. Yeah, me too. I mean, it, I guess it had to happen eventually, but age has caught up with him, hasn't it? Yeah. He's only got one RBI. You know, and we know how important those are, especially in spring training. Yeah. So but so does the, do the Reds have any chance at all of being better this year, of improving on their 90-loss uh, record of last year? With, Good God, I hope so. Even, I mean, even with uh, – You know, Votto scored more runs than he has hits. Well, so that's what I'm saying. Without without Votto playing well, because Votto was great last year, if we're assuming that he's going to be awful this year, they don't have any chance, do they? <laughs> oh, I, 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 you know, well, you know, I, I'm just hoping he can hold on to his job. There you go. I'd hate to see him lose his job to I don't know Scott Hatterberg Jr. or somebody. I, I'd hate to I'd hate to uh, be paying him all that money to sit on the bench. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh wow. Can you imagine the. Uh, or be or, or be playing in Louisville with all that for all that money. Yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be, it'd be sad to see him go out like that. He, he could buy Louisville. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Maybe he should. Okay, that, you know what? That was that was fun, but no one is really worried about Joey Votto, are they? Uh, if they are, then they need a reset. Yeah, get out of here. That guy is just—he's uh, perfect. You know this Reds team. They're not winning a lot of games in the spring, and really that's not anything to worry about one way or the other. Who cares? Um, 
wins and losses aren't uh, nobody cares. You're trying to get your players ready for the uh, for the season, but in the ultimate sort of in the scheme of things, honestly, do you see this team being substantially better than last year's version? Define substantially better. Ten games, ten more wins. Which would get them what? Round five hundred. Uh, get them at what? Eighty. See, that'd be eighty-four losses. Is that right? So, so get some around five hundred. I think it's seventy-eight and eighty-four actually, or uh, or seventy-nine I, and eighty-three. I think this team can play five hundred. I think this team has to play five hundred ball. If, you, if they don't play, if they don't play five hundred ball this year, then the rebuild is 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 has to, the, the the rebuild plan has to be questioned. So okay, so you, let me ask. you, There's two questions there. The Reds have to be five play five hundred ball this year in order to sort of for the rebuild to be on pace. To be but, on track. Yeah, I would think so. Okay. But will they play five hundred baseball this year? Well, you know, I I'm trying to be I'm trying to be in my Chad little world. I'm trying to be <laughs> optimistic like Chad. I want to be Chad when I grow up. Oh yeah, right. So you know, I, I think they can, you know, barring, you know you know injuries. I mean their pitch. I mean, the amount of it's healthy. What year was it than when they had? 2012. Yeah, as healthy as they were that last year, or that in 2012. Last year was the flip of that coin. Yeah. In terms of pitching, and you know, you just assume usually you're going to be somewhere in between. And I think that's all they have to be. I mean, you can see the pitching, especially coming along nicely, if just normal health. I mean, pitchers are going to get hurt. We're not asking for 2012-level health when they had uh, basically five stars that started every game except for one that whole right. season. It doesn't have to be that. But if they just have reasonable health, unlike what they had last year, which was just uh, six players, I think, fell into a crater and died uh, in the middle of the season. It was just it was a disaster. They got hit season. by a meteor. Yeah, it was just really uh, really unfortunate. I mean, um, I mean, how many starting pit, how many guys made starts for the Reds last year? Do you, do you know what the number is? I don't know off the top of my head, and I'm not going to look it up because it will make me cry. Yeah, it was it was some. It had to have been. I would have to believe it was a team record. Well, you know, the the guy that made the most starts was Scott Feldman, but the guy that pitched the most. No, actually, he made the second most. The guy that made the most and pitched the most innings uh, as a starter, pitched the most innings period for the Reds last year. Tim Adelman. I mean, that's how bad it got. So, um, and those are two guys that are nowhere near the organization this year. So. And everybody that is are are holdovers. You know, there's nobody here that wasn't here at some point last year. It's just it was historically uh, unlucky, really. So, so if they're if this rotation is just normal health, there's it's impossible for them not to be significantly better. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I think the pickups they made in the bullpen are going to help them. They, you know, they seem like they're um, yeah, they're, they're going to be you know they're going to kind of lead the way for the younger guys, you know, to, to get the Peralta and, and Iglesias. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, and you know, from the starting pitching uh, aspect of it, only one guy hurt right now. Last year, everybody got hurt in spring. Um, but, you know, you see guys like uh, Homer Bailey's Homer Bailey's going to be what he is, but Anthony Scafani's healthy and throwing well. Uh, Luis Castillo is going to be the number one guy probably if Disco doesn't take that from him. Uh, Brandon Finnegan, healthy and throwing. Uh, Amir Garrett, until his most recent outing, just blowing everybody away. Uh, 
Tyler Molly is just, he keeps getting it done. Sal Romano's looking good. I mean, they got a bunch of guys that are looking good, and all of them don't have to pan out, but, uh, but if enough of them do, I expect this to be, listen, at, at worst, a, a mid-level rotation, at worst, an average rotation. I don't think that's being overly optimistic. Or am I? You always accuse me of being overly optimistic. No, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I think, and and I think you got three guys that that you you know are going to start, assuming health. And honestly, I think it's four. I think Price is talking through his hat about Finnegan. I think Finnegan's the fourth starter, unless he's hurt. Uh, who the fifth ends up being? I don't think I don't I think I don't think you're going to know until the end of spring training. Maybe not then because sometimes they'll go without a, a fifth star. Yeah, they the may just go with four for what is the first week or something. Yeah, till they have uh, to. I think you're right about Finnegan, and I don't. It, that doesn't bother me. I mean, I think I think Brandon Finnegan is talented. I still think he can be a starter. There's a lot of people that say he's just going to be a reliever. If he's healthy, he's performed well in the big leagues. I don't have a problem with giving him the first shot at that. Yeah, the key the key with Finnegan is always can he get you know can he keep the, get the ball over the plate? Yeah. If he throws strikes, he, he's effective. When he doesn't throw strikes, he's not. Yeah, they got, they got a lot of guys like that. But you know, you know, if you were hand, if you were handy not 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 based on performance right now, but if you were handicapping that fifth spot, who do you think will end up being the fifth starter? I think it'll end up being Sal Romano, but I think that it's neck and neck with Amir Garrett right now, just based on the fact that he's healthy, he's throwing harder than he ever has this spring. So, so he's come out like he wants to win that spot. I would be surprised to see him give it to him, but Romano had such a good rookie season last year. Basically a league would, average pitcher. As I would a, like Molly, too. Oh, I love Tyler Molly. I think he's going to be better than any of them in the long run. I really do. Um, I, I Only half-joking last week on the podcast said that uh, he's going to be better than Greg Maddox but uh, in his career. But I think he's going to be better than any of these guys, except for maybe Luis Castillo. But I, I think they're going to, there's some service time questions as well. He's the youngest of the group. I think they'll send him to Louisville to start the season. But I don't have a problem with either Molly, or, or excuse me, either uh, Amir Garrett or Sal Romano getting it. But I do think it'll be uh, be Romano. You know, he's yeah, too- and he seems to be the the team's favorite. You know, the the, the broadcasters talk really highly about him. Uh, I know Marty Brenneman loves the kid. Uh, and, and and I think that has an effect. It may, it may but you know, there's there, there are reasons too. Like the guy, he was twenty, what twenty three last oh, yeah. year, and was uh, got better throughout the season. You could see him start to start learning, getting better, and at the end of the year, roughly league average. And that's hard to do as a as a rookie. So I, I don't have any problem with it. But boy, I, w- I would love the way Garrett's throwing as hard as he's throwing. Get that uh, lefty in the in the rotation. I wouldn't mind seeing it be Amir Garrett. It'd be curious to, if they decide to go with Romano, whether they keep Garrett up and put him in a bullpen. Well, that's going to be interesting with not just Garrett, but a number of these guys. Cody Reed, who they're going to, or who they're going to put in the bullpen. When are they going to sort of cut uh, cut the line and and decide these guys need to go in the pen rather than going to Louisville and start? Because they're going to have a bunch of guys at Louisville that can start. So, and I don't know what the answer yeah. is to that. Yeah, I, uh, I think with Reed, it's always going to be again, same thing. Get the ball over the plate. Yeah, and if if they don't think he can get the ball over the plate, they aren't going to put him in a bullpen. They're going to send him down to Louisville. Well, exactly. And well, the other guy that's probably not going to get the 
into the bullpen is probably going to be in the rotation in Triple A. Imagine Robert Stevenson. If that guy can get the ball over the plate, he's the, he has the better stuff than anybody in the in the organization. Yep. Um, yep. So I don't know, but there's a lot of names, a lot of reasons. You know, I know I'm too optimistic, but uh, I'll tell you what, there's going to be good, a lot of good reasons to go down and watch Louisville play this year. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be some good pitchers down there, and you're going to get to see some good pitching down there. Yeah. Well, and even with guys like Shed Long uh, coming through, and there's going to be some. Uh, some position players down there as well. So, uh, let me. I want to ask you about one particular position player recently acquired because there's been a little bit of, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the word is to describe it, but uh, some disgruntled uh, Reds fans. They're always disgruntled Reds fans. But the Reds signed Ben Revere to a minor league deal. So that's a minor league deal. What's the big deal, you know? But man, um, well, the thing is, you know, there are minor league deals and then there are minor league deals. What, what's, what's the reason though? What's the reason to sign this guy? Well, there, that's my question. What, what billet, use my old Navy terms, what billet does he fill that you don't have filled somewhere else? Um, and, I, and, I don't, and I don't think that they signed Ben Revere unless he's going to make this team. Well, you know, I don't know if that's true. He, uh, he, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's true or not. It may, it Name may the last time they had a high-profile guy, and he's a fairly high-profile guy, that they brought in on a minor league deal that didn't make the team. Well, it's hard to get high-profile guys on minor league deals, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's true. So, but I, I can't think of anyone. But I, I think he's going to make this team, and I'm not real sure why. And I and I think it's going to cost, and it, it will mean sending a better player to the minor leagues. Well, that's pro- that guy's probably going to be Philip Irvin. Uh, I would think so. But you know, can you make the case that Philip Irvin needs to play every day in Louisville? Let's. Give him another half a season to see what he can do in Louisville before, and see if we can trade Billy Hamilton in the meantime. And we got a guy in Ben Revere who plays all three outfield positions. He plays none of them well anymore. His defensive metrics are awful, and he hits about like Billy Hamilton. Um, so, but he can play center field. He he has that tag, center field trademark stamped on his uh, arm or yeah. something. You know, it's it's a, it's a brand that they put on their rear end when they're twelve. Right. So whether he's good at playing at playing the position or not, he's he is an official major league outfielder. And you know, on the Reds, if you play center field, where do you have to bat? Uh, that's not that's not true. Brian Price is not going to bat Billy Hamilton leadoff this year. I'm telling you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just trying to convince myself that's true because when it when it happens and Jesse Winker's hitting seventh, but let, let's talk about Brian Price for a minute. Do we have to? How confident are you that Brian Price will make what's how do I word the sabermetric decisions or what what seem to be to us to be logical decisions with the lineup? I think that he will make as many he'll make lineup decisions as correct correctly make them correctly as often as seventy five percent of other major league managers. I don't think he's different than almost any other manager in the major leagues for better or for worse. You know, he's done things like betting Joey Votto second in the past. He's hit Billy Hamilton ninth in the past. He's been creative at times, but I think, I think he is uh, mesmerized with uh, Hamilton when he gets on base, which is not very often. And that's why he leads him off. I think someone from the front office is just going to step in and say, Hey, listen, we have, we have a better chance of scoring runs if you got him ninth. But the problem with that thinking is what does the owner say about Billy Hamilton? Well, the owner loves him. I mean, that's the reports. But, you know, is the owner going to step in and, and say you have to lead him I, I off? I don't know, but I tell you what, and I've said this on, I've said this in social media. 
when an owner becomes enthralled with a baseball player, he hurts his 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 his, his ball club. Brandon Phillips. That's a. Well, that's, I'm not speaking about anybody individually. I know what I'm saying that's an example. He he demanded that Phillips. You know, we gotta we gotta we gotta sign into this long term contract in the last two years. Over a disaster. Yep. You know, and and it, it keeps your front office from being able to make good baseball decisions. Yeah, but now before we start, you know, tarring and feathering Bob Castellini. Well, do we really know? <laughs> do we really know that he's stepping in and time? Well, we don't hands? even know if he really said that. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, there's all that fake news out there. <laughs> well, hashtag <laughs> fake news. <laughs> you know, I I don't want to say that he's stepping in to do anything because I just don't know. There, I, I'm not. Well, a, I don't I, either. But I, but but I'm saying if that is okay. Let me let me let me correct everything I just said and put an if in the front of it. Yeah. If that is the case, it hurts the ball club. Oh sure, sure. Um, I think don't think there's any question about that. I mean, it's it's okay for an owner to be a a fan and to want to do everything possible to help the team win and wants to cut whatever checks are necessary for that. But you got baseball operations people. you got to find the right baseball ops people, and you got to let them make the decisions. I mean, I think that's been proven over and over and over in every sport, not just baseball. Mm-hmm. So, oh, believe me, I'm a Bengal fan. Yeah, or I used to be a Bengal fan. Let me know. You know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, by the way, we're going to need to record our uh, Bengals podcast after this is over. Well, that'll take about twelve seconds. <laughs> so I, I think I'm moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I believe. There you go. Nice. <laughs> about Billy Hamilton, though, just quickly. Okay. I I don't. I would be very surprised if Castellini's uh, affection for Billy Hamilton. And listen, nobody likes Billy Hamilton more than I do. I love that guy. I know you do. It, it's, I can't believe that's causing uh, the front office to not be able to dictate terms to Brian Price on that. And I'm not in the room for the, when those discussions are had. I was in the room one time, and they had me forcibly removed. But So I'm not generally in the room when they make those decisions. But uh, the front office does need to lay the law down, I think, this year. Um, because it just well, yeah. it makes the, no the other sense. The thing that I quite, you know, since we're talking about this front office, Billy Hamilton, owners, blah, blah, blah. You know, by all reports, the Giants were hot and heavy after Hamilton. And the deal never happened. Now there had to have been a reason. Well, was you know, and it could have been a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. But you know, are the Reds? You know, were the Reds asking too much for Billy Hamilton? Did the owner, you know, not want to give him up? Who knows? All all that is possible. It's also possible that the Giants have an awful minor league system, which they do, and that uh, they just didn't have anybody that matched up with. Uh, with the Reds as a trade partner. I don't know. I don't know the answer is, and I'd like to know, because I don't want him to give away Billy Hamilton for free. He has value. He's a elite defensive center fielder and would have been amazing in center field in San Francisco in that big park. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, I want him gone. What if, what, what if the, hey, easy now. No, I, and it's nothing against the kid himself. He's a comic book superhero. Bill, you got <laughs> to understand his, that. But his presence here... I think inhibits the ability of this team to get better. I don't know that I agree with that. If you bat him ninth or eighth, I think he's you... still going to take up at bats that could be going to, in my opinion, better players. Who? Tell me one of these better players that can play center field for the Reds right now. I didn't say center field. I, well, I, I, you got to replace him. 
Well, I understand somebody has to play out there. You know, you can't play four like you do in softball. <laughs> uh, I, but I, and you know, I've never been a big believer in defensive metrics. I think there's too much, there's too much subjectiveness to it. Um, that being said, he's, he's a very, very, very good center fielder. But I think the level between his defense and somebody else's isn't as much as the difference between his offense and somebody else's. Well, and that's the problem I have with Billy Hamilton. That's possible, but who's this person we're talking about? The Reds have no center fielders, unless you like Philip Irvin. Uh, or Shebler. Do you want to see Scott Shebler playing center field every day? I guarantee you the pitchers don't. Well, yeah, and comparing him to, to Billy Hamilton. But what you're also doing is you've got Jesse Winker in right field under that scenario, and Winker's a below average, or at best an average yeah, defensive I player. Think he's, I think he'll be an average right field. Okay, that's a lot of balls that fall in without Billy Hamilton next to him. But you're going to get a lot more offense. I guess. A lot, a lot more offense. Well, you have to. <laughs> you're going to have to because you're going to give up more runs. I mean, I don't mind Shebler occasionally being out there. Now, I think he will play out there some as they try to do this four-man rotation, whatever it's going to be. Uh, he actually started there, I think, yesterday in uh, who, who you, this spring. Speaking of, the, of this four-headed monster that Price is touting, assuming that, that, that nobody's traded, blah, 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 who do you think ends up the season with the most played appearances of the four? Adam Duvall. Who's second? Jesse Winker. Although it should be the other way around. Jesse Winker needs to get 550 I don't think he's second. I think, I think Shebler's second. I don't know. I think Hamilton's third, and I think Winker's fourth. You know who I think sh- should be fourth? Adam Duvall. Out of that group. I'd start Shebler two-thirds of the time in uh, left field and then put him in center. Oh, you, could right put, you, know, you could put Tim Duvall and Shebler. I would. I mean – Shebler's going to be better than Duvall this if, year. If your if your intent is you seem to be on playing Billy Hamilton every day, only because we don't have another center fielder. I'm not I'm not prepared to sacrifice that much defense for a guy Scott Shebler who is not a center fielder. I'm just not, I'm not prepared to do that. I'm perfectly happy if you want to get me another center fielder that can hit. Okay, bring it on. Um, I guess I maybe I overvalue in your estimation defense, but you just it's not that easy. It's a, I think I think the gap between Scott Shebler and Billy Hamilton on offense is maybe even bigger than the gap between them on defense at, in center field. Now tell me how crazy I am. No, I, that's what I just said. I think Shebler is that is more is a lot better on offense than is how can I not more better but has a has a wider difference between him and Hamilton on offense than there is on defense. I don't agree with that. I think it's I think it's roughly the same. I mean it's it's huge either way. What do you think of Irvin? I think Irvin is going to be a really solid fourth or fifth outfielder. I he can't play de- defensively. He's not he's average at best. Um and some people think he's below average in center field. Um he will hit better than than Billy Hamilton. Um, I think the gap between him and, and Hamilton as center fielders is is it's closer than uh, Hamilton and Shebler because Shebler can't play center field defensively, in my opinion. But I, now listen, I like Shebler. I'm not trying to criticize Shebler. I'd start him over Adam Duvall. I think he's going to have a lot better season than Adam Duvall. I'd start. I'd have him as my primary starter in left field this year. I'd ha- I'd have 
I don't mind the four-man rotation, actually, if you start with this proviso. Number one, Jesse Winker's going to get 550, 600 at-bats. He's he's the number one guy. you got to get him at-bats because you're trying to – well, first of all, he's likely to, uh, at the end of the year, have better numbers offensively than any of the other ones. And also, you're trying to develop a, a player that's going to be a cornerstone on the next good Reds team. Also, I would have uh, – I'd have the other three, really, rotating. But I'd play Shebler more than I played Duvall. I think Shebler is younger. Um, when he wasn't hurt last year, he he hit better than uh, – well, they ended up with almost the exact same production by the end of the year. They're both league average hitters. Um, I just I think Shebler's a much better bet for the next two years. I'd play him. Winker should play every day unless there's a tough left-hander on the map. Again, yeah, he's a rookie. So, you know, you, you're going to want to find the spots you – know, if. Clayton Kershaw's going. You may not want to start him the first time or two that Kershaw's there. Let him watch. Let him learn. Um, pick your spots to rest him. I think you'll get the other guys plenty of playing time that way. But you're right. He needs to be He needs to be the starting right fielder. I agree. I, see, we found something we can agree on. Today. Finally. They can give him breaks, but he needs <laughs> yeah. to be. Uh, I don't th- expect him to play Votto in you know, Votto right. games. Right. But, you know, it, it, that needs to be sort of the default, doesn't it? I'm writing my lineup out. My default is Jesse Winkers in right field, unless there's some reason not to have him out there. You know, rest or hit either one or two, depending on you know what you end up doing. Absolutely, I'd have him hitting leadoff. I mean, if he's hitting second, that's good too. But I'd have him. I want him hitting in front of Votto all season long. If he's hitting two, I can't imagine who's hitting one. Well, I know. I, I, well, I can imagine, yeah. but I wouldn't <laughs> right. be happy about it. Uh, let me tell you, I don't, I don't know if I've told you this before. Uh, uh, some people have heard me say it before. Um, my opinion on Brian Price, since that's who we really started this conversation about, my opinion on Brian Price is going to be, one way or the other, is going to be largely uh, put in cement by what the lineup looks like on opening day. In other words, where Billy Hamilton and Jesse Winker are in the opening day lineup. Where Price has those two players, just just those two, Winker and Hamilton, where they are in the open day lineup, I'm either going to be done with Brian Price or I'll be willing to give him a, a chance. You understand what I'm what I'm saying there? Which, yeah, I do. You know, and so opening day when it's Duvall and left, and Hamilton in center, and 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 Revere in right, and <laughs> Revere and Hamilton's leading off, and Revere's batting second. I'm done. <laughs> You wouldn't be a happy camper? I will be done with Brian Price. Because <laughs> that would show a fundamental misunderstanding of what it takes to score runs. People have been screaming at him for batting Billy Hamilton first in the spring. And I don't I don't care. I don't mind that. Hamilton's been your sort of leadoff guy. And give him a chance to prove that he's, you know, that he deserves it. Price has also said that Billy Hamilton's not guaranteed to be my leadoff hitter. Um, but I do see opening day of the regular season coming around when the games count. If he has Hamilton leading off when the games count. And I love Billy Hamilton. I want Billy Hamilton starting 162 games hitting eighth or ninth. You, I think you can win with Hamilton in center field if he's not leading off and if you get more production at a shortstop. I, well, th- therein lies another question. Uh, how confident are you in Peraza playing shortstop? I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to hit better than Offensively or defensively or both? Both. I think he'll be fine. I don't – he's going to – I don't think he's going to be a black hole offensive, but I don't know that he's going to be a a positive contributor either. Defensively, there, I see no reason not to think that eventually he's not going to have the ability to develop into a really good defensive shortstop. But the truth of the matter is, I think he's probably a backup infielder long term. 
unless he really can hit enough to justify his spot in the lineup this year. And he might be able to in the second half last year. His on-base percentage was 330-something. I mean, it was above league average. He made some changes with his uh, approach and with his swing, and it worked. If that holds long-term, if he can have a 330 on-base percentage, I think his hands are going to be good enough that he'll develop into a, a good, an above-average defensive shortstop. What's your opinion on Peraza? I worry about his offense. Yeah. I think defensively he'll be fine. I mean, he won't be Zach Cozart, but we aren't going to have another one of those for a while. Yeah, yeah. who is? Yeah, there are very, uh, very few. But I, I worry about his offense. I, I worry about his approach. You know, a half a season is not a career make. Um, I hope I'm wrong, you know. Yeah, no. I, I, I'm afraid he's going to be hitting in the two-hole. Well, then you got a real problem with Hamilton and Peraza hitting one too. If 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 Peraza is not the guy we well, saw, well, and I, I don't think I don't think that would be the case. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was Winker Peraza. Well, again, that depends on which Peraza. Yeah, you know, yeah. is is it the Peraza from the second half? Were those real gains, or was it a mirage? Was it a mirage? Was it you know just a small sample size? You know, and I don't know. I'm not willing to believe. Well, I'm willing to believe that he has made him because there are specific changes that supposedly he made. I'm willing to believe that it's real, but I'm also not going to bet to ranch on it. There's a very good chance who 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 he is is who he is, and he's not going to be a hitter. Oh, that's true. I hope it's not. I hope it's not the case. He's just. Because they need him. But on the other hand, maybe he's just a placeholder right now for Nick Senzel. Do you think Nick Senzel can be a major league shortstop? I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him one way or another or you know, or read enough about it to, to know. I, I, I honestly have no way of knowing. I don't even have an opinion. I hope so. It would, it would, help this, it would answer a lot of questions for this team. That's the first time you've ever – not had an opinion on something in, you know, we've been doing this for seven years or something. That's the very <laughs> first time you've refused to give me your opinion, Bill. I'm a little disappointed in you. Well, I, mean, I hope he can, you know, but I just, if, if he could play shortstop at the major league level, I have to wonder why he wasn't playing shortstop in the minor league level. Well, he was drafted as a third baseman. He played shortstop some in college. Uh, I know, I know all that, but they had a guy that was playing third base pretty well. Well, True. But on the other hand, until last year, they didn't know that he was gonna, that Eugenio Suarez was going to be Eugenio Suarez. Not That's, really. I mean, he was. But he but he had been improving, and he's very young. And you knew that Cozart was coming up on his free agent year. So if you were a, a forward-thinking organization, wouldn't you have said, "Hey, Nick, you want to try playing a couple games at shortstop? See how you do." I would have. I would have approached him yeah. with the idea. I don't think the way they handled it is unreasonable. I mean, the guy was a third baseman, and well, I don't think it's unreasonable. But I think you know it could you know they they could have had at least some threads of an answer before they went to spring training. Oh, you're absolutely one hundred percent correct about it. I mean, like uh, like I say, I don't think it's unreasonable that they, that they left him at his position. But if you think there's a chance that he can be a shortstop. And I know they thought there was a chance, at least, or at least that would have been thrown out there. Because when, the day he was drafted, his college coach at Tennessee said, "I think the Reds need to start him as a shortstop. See if he can, because I think he can handle that in, in professional baseball." There's, there's that, that quotes out there because I, I 
referenced it in a piece that I wrote for Cincinnati Magazine. So it's not like that was a secret. So I, I agree with you. If you're really forward thinking, you you bring him in and start him at shortstop from day, uh, you know, from day one. I don't, know, I don't know whether any team would have done that. No, because let's be honest, he wasn't he wasn't drafted for his glove. True, true. And and when you're when you're first getting started in professional baseball, you know, just getting used to professional baseball is hard enough. Uh, the hitting. Being a professional, being on your own, it's a big adjustment. So do you want to throw learning a new position at him too? I can can see why they wouldn't do it or why maybe no one would do it. But my thought was, man, if this guy could stick at shortstop, he's an even better prospect than anyone realizes. If he can't, okay, you move him back to third uh, or to second. So... You try... I I think you try him at second and uh, that's assuming that... You know... if he can play shortstop, or, or you know, if, if, if or if he can't play shortstop, then you're going to have some de- organizational decisions to make. You better hope that Jose Peraza uh, pans out, and he's still young enough that he might. But you better hope so. If he can't, if Nixon Zell can handle shortstop, they're going to have a bunch of decisions to make. You're right. Yeah, because he's going to be a second baseman at that point. You would think. And I would think they'd at least try him there. And so then, what do you do? You know. I don't have a problem just booting Scooter Jeanette out of, out of the starting lineup. I like Scooter Jeanette. He's a Reds legend, I know. But uh, I mean, you can't you can't be anything but impressed with what he's done since he's come to this ball club. Absolutely, got no problems with him. But he's not going to be with the Reds next year. No, he's going to go somewhere else for for a lot more money. Yeah, I mean, he he just had his last year of arbitration. He beat the Reds in the arbitration, and he's gone. He's gone. He, and he's already said he's not going to give some special hometown deal. And I don't blame him one bit. Go earn as much money as you can, but the Reds aren't going to be the team that hands out a multi-year contract for him. I, I can't imagine. Not a big money deal, and he's going to make a. Yeah, it's, let, let's say he, he he's the starter this year, and he has a year that's comparable to last year. He's going to sign a big money deal somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and and frankly, he'll probably deserve uh, some money. Yep. That I don't. Here's a question. Here's a question for you. Is there any chance this team carries three catchers again this year? Or carries three catchers this year as they were doing at the beginning of last year. I guess there's a chance, but I don't see it happening. And if they don't, what's Devin Mezzarocco's role on this team? Well, if I'm managing the team, Devin Mezzarocco's starting 40% of the games, and he's available to pinch hit in the uh, every single one of the other 60% of the games. You don't worry about you just you find an emergency catcher somewhere. Let me ask you a question, Bill. You've been watching baseball games for a long time. How many times have you seen a catcher get hurt and have to leave the game? Very few. I, I just think that it's such a rare occurrence that it's ridiculous to leave a bat like Mazzarocco who's rotting on the bench in the off chance, you know, one in a hundred thousand chance that your catcher gets hurt. And if he does, you put you know Ben Revere behind the plate. Or somebody, whoever you know, whoever your last guy and the your last utility infielder. Yeah, send him right. in to the clubhouse to call Stuart Turner in Louisville and get him up here as quick as possible, and then get, <laughs> get the gear on. But and, and I and I agree with everything that you're saying, but you and I both know that that's not the way they'll manage this team. It's not been the way that anyone's managed a baseball right. team in a long time, and I think it's ludicrous, especially with a guy like Ms. Rocco who. Tucker Barnhart's earned the starting spot. I can, I can live with that, but uh, you you can't just can't leave that on the on the bench. That bat on the bench to rot for sixty percent of the games. 
Would you call Tucker Barnhart one of the leaders of this team at this point? I think so. I would. I would say absolutely. Even though he's young, still what twenty six. Um, you know, the catcher oftentimes is one of the leaders anyway because you're sort of directing guys. You can see where everybody is, and he's just yep. he, he came up through the organization. He came up with a lot of these guys, and he has taken ownership. I think of uh, of being a Cincinnati Red, and he signed that contract in the off season to be around the next four years. And yeah, I think he is. Are you surprised I, by that? I, I, he absolutely is. Are you surprised with what Tucker Barnhart has become? Yes. Um, I am too, and I don't mean that as a criticism, but I'll let you go ahead and say I don't it. either. I, I always knew he'd be a good defensive catcher. I didn't know he'd be this good. Mm-hmm. Um, this good this quickly. Yes. Um, and I didn't think he would be this good offensively. He, he's, he's vastly exceeded my expectations for him offensively. You and I talked for many – we've talked ever since Tucker's been up that, that he would have a long career in the big leagues probably as a backup catcher. Yeah. Well, we were wrong. We, re- we really were. No, I mean, I thought it was a guarantee, and it's still a guarantee that he's going to have a long career, I think, if he stays healthy, because he does, he does, he can transition into that backup catcher phase. I didn't see this phase coming. No. I, knew, I knew he'd be good defensively. I didn't think he'd win a gold glove this quickly. I thought he might eventually. Well, I, I didn't know that he'd ever have a chance to win a gold glove, because I didn't know he'd ever have a chance to be a starter. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and the fact you know, I wonder who else. I wonder who else has won minor league and major league gold gloves. Oh, I'm guessing that probably, probably Scooter Jeanette's not one of them. <laughs> you think? That's my guess. But I just, for one thing, I, I really like the guy. I mean, you know, he's been on our, he's been on the podcast with us. He, uh, everything you read about him, everything you hear about him is positive. He just. And I have some friends that have season tickets that have met him, you know, at a number of the events, and they say they're, you know, he's one of the. They say he and Devin are really two of the best play, you know, players for for you know fan interaction. Yeah. Um, I couldn't be happier with you know, with how with how things are going for Tucker though, and I I couldn't be more. I don't know what the right word, sad or whatever mm-hmm. for what has happened to poor, to Devin's career. Um, yeah. Through no fault of his own. It really not. He's done nothing but work hard and try to produce for the Reds and just bad luck. I said last night on Twitter, as a matter of fact, that I would give anything to see Devin Mesoraco be completely healthy this year and play well enough for the Reds to be able to justify bringing him back because his contract ends this year. Even if yep. just, even just in a backup role or you know, a pinch hitter or whatever because I, I just like the guy. Uh, there, he's done, never done anything that caused me uh, to dislike him at all. I, I, I pull for him. Well, he did one thing to cause me to dislike him. Do you know what he, I'm ta- talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Go ahead. Because <laughs> you, you, we have to have your your mandatory, you know, mention. People, uh, people really hammer me on this. I get the uh, emails and tweets. But Devin Mesoraco, of course, signed to play college baseball at the University of Virginia. And then for some reason, after the Reds drafted him in the first round, he came to play for the Reds. So um, didn't get to go play you for them. Maybe he just didn't want to go to tobacco country. Hey, easy now. Come on. <laughs> we're, we're talking about the home of the number one ranked University of Virginia Cavalier basketball team. They're number one right now. Unanimous number one. They should know they weren't unanimous, were they? Yes, they were. They went from unranked in the first poll to unanimous in the final regular I couldn't season figure poll. out how they lost the game and didn't drop one week. <laughs> I know when that. they lost to Virginia Tech, they didn't drop. I was at that game, yeah. 
I think everybody else in the top ten lost that week as well. And I think Villanova well, lost twice. Uh, well, how many losses do they have? Four. Mm, yeah, that's twice as many as the number one ranked University of Virginia Cavaliers. That's okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I we you, digress. We do, and I always do, uh, and I'm sorry, but I'm with you on Mizorocco. And, and Mizorocco and Barnhart both have been good to us on the podcast, so maybe that's part of the reason why we have positive feelings. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I would even be happy for Devin if he had, you know, a good enough first half that the Reds traded him. If it was good for him, I'd be happy for it. Yeah, we're, uh, into a good spot where he can play. Yeah. Or, or, or if he played well enough this year, not that the Reds brought him back, that but that somebody else gives him a real chance, a good chance. And, you know, yeah, signs him to a decent deal. and Continue yeah. his career. Absolutely. I'll be happy for him if he has any kind of success, whether it's here or elsewhere. Yep. You know, there was a uh, – Trent Rosecrans had a piece in theathletic.com today, as a matter of fact, about Devin Mesoraco. And there were quotes from, from Devin, quotes from Tucker, and quotes from Brian Price. And basically, Brian Price was saying, you would not believe how many problems Devin Mesoraco could have caused in the clubhouse with Tucker Barnhart sort of going, taking his position and, you know, him being resentful of that. He said, but but Devin has been nothing but supportive, and he's the he's Tucker Barnhart's biggest fan. And then Tucker said similar things uh, that just about how they're the best of friends. And I think that combination, I think if, if Devin can be healthy enough, and Devin had a quote as well where he said, well, my goal is I want to prove to the Reds that I can be here with Tucker and we can be the catching combination for the next few years because our, our strengths uh, sort of uh, complement each other. So anyway, I, I'm really hopeful about – Mesoraco being healthy, and I just again, I heard you do it a moment ago. I'll knock on wood as well that he can yep. just be healthy. Can't you, you do nothing but wish him well? You know, you just he's had such bad luck in the last three years that, that yeah, he deserves a, he deserves a, some good luck. And you know, I mean, he said he's had good luck too because he's gotten married and had babies and you know all that kind of thing in his personal life, but in his professional life, he deserves a chance. He, he deserves a little streak of good luck. Yeah, and one of his quotes in, in that piece with uh, Rosecrans was, you know, I, I I just want my kid to be able to grow up and remember me as a Major League Baseball player, having a daddy that's a big league ball player. I, I, he want, I want to be able to continue my career and play long enough to where he can – and he was just born last year. Um, so just fingers crossed for Devin Mesoraco. I, yeah. I want to bring up one thing here before we uh, close up because it's something you mentioned right before we started recording, and I thought it was a really interesting way – to think about this year's team and then how the rebuild is going and where they are. And I'm going to try to sort of say it the way you said it, and you can let me know if I've uh, mis- misspoken or misstated the way you put it. For a team that's lost 90 games uh, and more than 90 games for three straight years, that's been that as bad as they were last year and the year before, there really aren't a lot of spots up for grabs in the lineup. And is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Or is it, uh, what does that say? And that's a really interesting way to think about it. Tell me what you meant by that. Well, I, I, I just, you know, historically when teams have lost this many games, you know, it's, it's like a, a you know, a, a free for all in spring training, you know, everything's up for grabs and this team, you know, other than, you know, how they're going to sort out the outfield, the starting eight is pretty well set. You know, you got one spot open in the starting rotation and, and you know, what, two or three bullpen spots? I don't even know if there's that many bullpen spots after they signed a couple of uh... – Right. Well, I'm talking about, you know, going into spring, going yeah. into – you know, mm-hmm. before, they, before they signed the two 
the two relievers, um, whose names Hughes is one of them, right? I forget the Jared Hughes, David Hernandez. Yeah, Hernandez. That's the other one. Um, and I think they're, you know, from what I've read and, and looked at their numbers, they, they, they're, I think they're going to be you know, quality guys for this, this team. Yeah, um, but I think it says a lot about the health of the pitch. It says a lot about the fact that they're blaming the struggles, at least last year, on the health of the pitching staff, and rightfully so, and, and the inability of, of the bullpen to to shoulder the burden that they were forced to hold to, to shoulder because of the, the lack of a decent starting pitching. Um, and I think that it's saying that the, this, you know, the front office believes that the offense ain't the problem. Okay, let me flip that around a little bit. Okay, I think everything you just said is reasonable, and I think it's uh, clearly. I think the way that the, the the front office is looking at this, which is, we're not going to be. Let's hope we're not as uh, injury prone. I guess because these guys can pan out. But if it's true that the offense isn't the problem, and you know how they can sort of recoup the numbers that you're losing with Zach Cozart. But you're adding Winker, and later in the year adding Nixon Zell. I think the offense is going to be fine. If yeah. if if the offense is fine, why don't you go out in the off season and not just? I hope these guys are healthy this year. Why don't you go out and get another starter? Why don't you go out and get one guy or two guys, and really ratchet up this rebuild to where you can compete this year? I think, and I've been saying it all off season. If they'd gotten one top starter, and I don't know if they could have. I don't know who's you know. I keep saying Chris Archer. Um, uh, the guy from uh, Toronto. I keep saying, go get one of these guys. Go get Clayton Kershaw. Try to Billy Hamilton for Clayton Kershaw. But go get a top starter, uh, a, you know, a number two starter, a good starter. Jake Arrieta, maybe. I don't know. You uh, Darvish. And let's see if this team can compete next year. Because then you've only got you've got a fewer number of these young guys have to pan out in the rotation, um, and you got an offense that you know should be should be okay. Am I crazy? Well, you know I'm crazy, but don't so don't answer. Yeah, you know these are two, that, that's a whole different <laughs> point. You know, that's a whole different range of argument. Uh, no, I, I think you make a very valid point. I you know, and I, I remember talking to you about this, you know, late last year, or right after the season was over. And I didn't believe they were going to do it then, and it doesn't surprise me that they didn't do it. They weren't going to spend a whole lot of money. They, they feel like they've invested this money in the farm system for hell or high water. They're going to sink or swim with it. Now they'll either turn out to be right and everybody will be happy and the Reds will be competing for world championships within the next two to three years. Or we're going to find out that the whole thing was a pipe dream and they drafted a whole bunch of guys that aren't as good as we were led to believe they were. And all they were doing was worrying about holding down, you know, uh, keeping money in their pocket and, and, you know, and making more money. Even though, you know, the Reds front office swears up and down that no one has ever gotten, you know, none of the owners have ever gotten a check. So the money's going somewhere. Well, I think they're spending it on international and on minor league facilities and coaches and uh, another team, bonus and money, and I mean, another, I, minor, another minor league team. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're spending money, and I think they're going to be willing to spend on the major league roster once they get to that point. I just think this year could have been that year. And I, well, I guess maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they still think they're a year away. You know, and maybe this is the year that they, you know, after this season's the year that they spend a little money, and whether it's keeping players or bringing in a pitcher or. You know, whatever. 
but to be a year away this year, they have to, the, everything has to go well with the pitching. And, and so it looks to me like this whole offseason was just, I hope everybody's healthy in the pitching, on the pitching staff and hope is not a strategy, but that's what it looks like, you know, for this year. Let's just, let's ring up another, you know, season of uh, a losing record and, uh, and hope everybody's healthy and, or hope that everybody, these young pitchers come through. <sighs> Well, it goes back to where I it kind of goes back to where I started. You know, we're gonna. I think we're gonna know a lot in September about where this team is because this year the record means something. I mean, you know, we 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 joked around and talked last year that we thought they could be better than they were, but that I mean, but then nobody could have survived the injuries their their, their rotation had last year. Um. But assuming that they stay reasonably healthy this year, if they're not 500 or above, or, or, or close to, you know, I'm, you know, if they're a game under 500, I, I'm going to complain. But if they're not 500 or above, there's no way that they're going to compete next year. You know, you're, they're not going to do a, you know, a 15 game turnaround in a year. I don't think. Now maybe they, you know, maybe they can. It wouldn't be, you know, unheard of. But I just think if I'm a, I'm a lot more confident in incremental improvement than hoping right. that, that you know that you jump off the you know that you jump up over the uh, under the high step in one yeah. year. If this, whether it's injuries or just the young pitchers not performing, if if they, we don't see substantial, big time improvement in the, this group of starting pitchers as a group, then we're going to get to this point next year where you got to start saying, well they screwed up this rebuild process because they're not yep. any, they're not any closer to, we got some of these players, you know, in good spots. We got Nick Senzel. We got Suarez is good. You know, we got some of these guys and Jesse. I Baker. think we'll be saying it after the season's over. I don't think we'll be, I don't think it'll be spring training when we're saying it. I think we'll be saying it in September. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll look up and you'll say, well, our pitching's nowhere near any being competitive. It's, it's not a rotation where you can just plug in one or two guys. And the other thing that, that, and this goes back to something that you and I say all the time, is that young players struggle. So you're going to, you know, you're going to have young guys in your rotation, one, two, maybe three. Will the Reds have the patience to stay with them, or will they have two or three bad starts? And all of a sudden, the kid's back in Louisville, and they jerk somebody else up here, give him a try. I don't know. And and how much of that? Decision making will be influenced by the way Brian Price treats them when they get here, because Brian Price is managing for his job. Right. He's not managing for how good this team can be next year and the year after. He's managing to keep his job. So I don't know. Now I'm depressed. I know. I was optimistic. I was. I was, I was, I was doing. I was in Chad mode when we started. Yeah, you brought me down now to Bill in, level. Now I'm in Black Bill level. You know. <laughs> Yeah, the truth of the matter is things could go bad and we could be in a bad spot next year. But I think that you don't have to, as I always say, you don't have to squint very hard to see this team being a 500 or better team this year. I think, you know, if everything breaks right, I think this team could contend for a playoff spot. It's crazy to say that. People think you're crazy when you say that. But, again, everything doesn't have to go right for that to happen. Just, you know. Reasonable health. You don't, to, you don't have to be a whole lot over 500 to be competitive right. for a playoffs. Just give me reasonable health and the young guys progressing like you would expect them to progress if they have the talent we think they have. And I yep. think they could get there. I'm not asking for somebody to have a Hall of Fame season, 
you know. So I don't know. I'm hopefully get off to a good, uh, a hot start, and there's positive vibes around the team, and they just continue to get better throughout the season. And with with this many young pitchers, that that's a possibility that they could uh, continue to improve. Even as you say, it's going to be up and down. You got to be patient with especially young pitchers. But uh, I don't know. I'm back on the. That's our goal. I'm back optimistic again. I'm going to say 82 and 80 will be their record this year. I t- take that. Yeah, that's possible. Well, you know, we've sort of uh, beat these old Reds to death. Anything else you, off the top of your head, you can think of? What you want to, you want to get into? Go Xavier. <laughs> well, I'm not cheering against Xavier. Or, uh, yeah, I don't have a. I know you. Don't, you're not a UC guy. Uh, I don't have a dog in that hunt. So I'm glad both of them are good this year. But you know. Well, I, and, and here I'll, I'm going to here I'll aggravate all my all the UC fans that are listening. Oh, I think they are the most overrated top ten team I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. Don't do that to me, Bill. Our subscription numbers are going to go down after today. <laughs> I, I predict that, Z, that UC doesn't get out of the first weekend. Well, they never do under Mick Cronin. Um, <laughs> I think they have one time, but I, I still think he's a good coach, and I, I like that program. And um, I, I like the program a lot better now than I did when Huggins was there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Mick doesn't bring kids into my town that I'm embarrassed to have playing ball in my town. All right, All right. Don't Those guys are only at Xavier now. I beg your pardon. Makura? Is that how you pronounce his name? JP? That guy. Yeah. What a punk. He's a great player. <laughs> I'm just trying I'm just trying to provoke you. He is a good player. I'm just trying to provoke you. Uh but he's, he, he's the Pete Rose of college basketball. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Everybody that. hates him when he's on the other team, but everybody wishes he was on theirs. I guess. Maybe. Um No, I hope Xavier does well. I hope Cincinnati does well. I hope neither of them do as well as the University of Virginia Cavaliers, led by, just announced today, National Coach of the Year for the third time, Tony Bennett. I hope Virginia does just as well as they did when Ralph Sampson was there. Well, I'll take that. They went to the Final Four. I'll take it. They, they never? <laughs> no, they didn't. They did <laughs> They should have. Yeah, they they, uh, but now they're in the same position without the greatest player in college basketball. i got a bunch of you know recruits that came in ranked the uh, number 100 between 75 and 125, and they're still uh, dominating everybody. Oh, How many nice. seniors? How many seniors? Two. Two seniors. Two seniors start? Mm-hmm. Yep. Devin Hall. Xavier, Xavier has two seniors and a grad a grad transfer. Um, six. I think six out of the top eight in UVA's rotation are freshmen and sophomores. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be they're gonna be all right. So, but that's too much. I'm going to get so many emails uh, at Chad Dotson at RedLegNation.com. That's how you. Uh, that's how you email me bad things about either this guy that's talking trash about uh, UC or about me wasting too much time on this Reds podcast talking about UVA. Um, this is Red Leg Nation Radio. Appreciate you listening to episode number 197. I know you can do lots of things with your time, and the fact that you uh, consistently every week more and more of you actually spend your time with us just uh, it never continues to amaze me, and I'm so appreciative of it. Uh, Leave us a rating and review at iTunes, uh, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Tell your friends about us. If you like us, if you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Uh, you can find us at Red Leg Nation on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C on Twitter. Bill, you're not on Twitter too much. I don't do a whole lot of Twitter. Yeah. You don't get you in trouble, as you found out. That's true. Uh, we're not going to talk about Hunter Green. Uh, um, I'm at Dotson C on Twitter. Again, at RedLegNation.com. Every single day where we've been uh, writing and complaining and being overly optimistic about the Reds. 
for every season. This is our 14th season covering the Reds at Red League Nation, which is crazy. And, Bill, we've been there since the beginning, buddy. I'm old, man. I'm the emeritus. I'm the emeritus member of of Red Leg Nation. Yeah, you're editor in chief or something. We'll, we need to come up with a really good title. I, I need. I need a title. Yeah, we'll get you one of those. Well, appreciate you join. Appreciate you joining me again, Bill. Always a good time, buddy. Okay, brother. For Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying, "So long, everyone." Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.